Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to Mist Apex iRacing Podcast. Let's get faster. Welcome to Mist Apex iRacing Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and whilst we have been focusing on making you faster on track, we are a podcast for the iRacing hobbyist and a big part of iRacing is the equipment. It's um, it's a bit of a broad church, isn't it? You can have people jumping on with controllers on a laptop screen, or you can have people on 80 gajillion pound rigs with motion sensors, vibrating pads in their back with uh, big motion rigs moving around, force feedback. You can have direct drive wheels. You can have VR flat screens. You can have super PCs, or you can have computers running at 20 frame rates a second. I've been most of those, apart from the top end. So we're going to talk a little bit about equipment today. And I'm joined by, in a very, very particular order, based on who I think is best at iRacing. Uh, let's see. Oh, they're all going to be offended now. I'm joined by Kyle Power, who's probably got the highest i rating on the show today. Hey, Kyle. Hey, what an introduction. I'll go with that. You've got the highest i rating out of the four of us today, haven't you, I think? I think so. Just under 4.6k at the what? moment. Um, like to break 4.6 at some point, but not really too bothered. Try not to get too hung up on it. Uh, yeah, you, you're right. I mean, iRacing can be a specific tool. It can also be a bit of a, a flex, but it does also uh, does also uh, allude to the fact that you are not quite alien pace. That's fair to say, but you are like there or thereabouts, like on pace with the top guys. Just below alien, I'd say uh, better than average not quite amazing so somewhere in the middle and and we should explore at some point what we mean by the term alien i guess it's just somebody who's driving at a pace and you just think that just seems impossible and even like the top guys and the professional drivers and the top sim drivers are just going that's impossible and uh, i always find that whatever tier whatever split i'm in even if i'm in like the fourth split out of eight There'll be two or three guys whose i rating is far too low they're in my split but they're driving at alien pace Someone who drives at alien pace in a cart, or used to, it's Alex Jeansy Van Jean. Hello, Alex. Yeah, the um, the used to is more a weight thing than anything else, but, um, <laughs> rather than a talent thing. But yeah, no, um, no, you were right to um, announce Kyle first when it came to I rate uh, um, sim racing quality. I've been racing Kyle for many, many, many years now on sims way before I racing, and um, before we before we got to I racing, and. He just has this strange knack where it doesn't matter what car you throw at him, how much practice he's had, 
He's just there on the pace instantly. And it's honestly infuriating. It drives me nuts because I have to work at it and work at it and work at it. And sometimes still don't get there. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Like I, I can see a direct correlation to how many practice sessions I do into a session as to whether or not I can get to my best pace and my best pace being maybe two seconds, maybe a second and a half off the top guys. Uh, Kyle does seem to be there or thereabouts annoyingly quickly. With Kyle, my issue, my, my, my issue with Kyle is, <laughs> is he, he's able to get within a couple of tenths of the aliens. But if I get within a second of Kyle, I'm happy. That's that's how chronic the situation is. But um, sitting there is 4.6. I know. I hate that. What's your eye rating? Bitter. What's your eye rating, uh, Alex? 2.4, I think. That's still pretty I might good. Have lost, I might have lost a little bit last week because last week was bad. That's pretty good. I think I'm sitting around 1,800 at the moment. So does that put me higher or lower than Matt Do Rumpets, who's on the panel with us today? Hey, Matt. Lower. Oh, where are you? Where are you sitting? Gives you flex. Uh, just over 2,000. Oh, okay. That's, I mean, that's pretty decent. And how much do you guard your, your eye rating? Do you find yourself, like, will you go to series where you know it will grow your eye rating deliberately? Do you avoid things that are going to be like, oh, that's going to be a, an eye rating killer? No, I think really what I do is, is I pick strategies that will reduce eye rating loss when I race. But I race F3 and I race endurance races, which are notorious for not being good for eye rating. No, that's true. But I know there are some people who will like, they'll go, oh, well, I won't, I won't race in this particular race because I've not had enough practice. Whereas my, my approach to that will be, yes, I didn't get a chance to practice, but I want to be in the race with all my friends. Therefore, I will just be super careful. I will start from the pit lane or deliberately not qualify so that I'm at the back and I'll, I'll, I'll risk the fact that I'm, it's not that I'm going to lose my rating from being smashed out. It's just that I will be like uh, at the back of the midfield. Alex, here's a question: If you've considered starting at the back, so just not qualifying, yeah, have you started from the pit lane before? I have, but it seems like too much of a penalty. Like people get away a bit too much. Because I'm considering it for this week for Monza. Yeah, it's no. I, I tell you what, this is actually a really interesting topic. Not at all the one I I was intending to go down. So I've explored these options from the pit lane. It's too much. The car, the pack, just gets away. You've got no chance. From just starting at the back and saying, right, well, I won't qualify. What I think quite a few people have that approach, Kyle, because if you deliberately don't qualify, sometimes you've got like five to ten people who also didn't set a time and you might be ahead of them. And then you're in the worst case because you are like just in the mix of people who fluff their qualifying. Yeah, I was just about to say that. It's all very well and good <laughs> until you have seven or eight people who have exactly the same idea and then you end up stuck in a whole group of you being overcautious, tripping over each other and just fall away from the main pack usually. But um, Alex brings up a really good point there. It's Monza and with tracks like Monza with a turn one that is renowned for big first corner pileups and puntings, even when everyone's trying to be careful, but there's a big concertina effect up the field. So the people at the back have to be extra careful and it's a very, very good point and quite a good tactic. If you really want to get some SR, probably best to start at the back but never i don't get the pit lane starts i don't think that's a good no. a good call at all no i mean for, for us because we're in a kind of group thing with the swarm and you're like oh but i can be on with 20 guys i know so you know sometimes we have to compromise to be involved uh, you don't want to just be sitting there in discord watching everyone at if you start just at the back 
so there are a bunch of people there who will just mess up qualifying and have two one x's and be at the back with you but it, it does work occasionally and i have done it alex where i've been at the back and say there's three guys behind me and i'm, I'm like i can handle this i get a good start I very clearly move over to one side to try and let someone pass. And then the guys behind are like, oh, what's he doing? That was, no, this, this, that was my plan. And then the, it ends up like three of you, three abreast into turn one. None of you who had any intention of having any kind of fight. But it, but it does work. And I have done it to good effect before. You see, you know, the big, big crash, you know, the big ones, where if you were in that midfield, you would get swept up in it. You can laugh, look at that collision and pick your way through. So I, I think there there is some merit to it. Yeah, it's that whole thing. You get into that first corner and it's after you, after you, <laughs> no, after you. But then you end up hitting each other, which yeah. is generally the case, which is that case of everyone's too careful and it causes more issues. But you're right, you do get to see the car flying in the air yeah. um, for four or five rows further forward on the if grid. If you want to do it, you have to really like get out of the way, be prepared to like stop, let the entire pack go and then head on your merry way. That's a tactic, I think, if you've really not practised at all, but you're generally fine. Yeah, because I'm, I'm stuck in this weird point at the moment where my I rating is enough to have me in the top split for every F3 race at the moment, and I don't like it. <laughs> I, I, I'm having the conversation today about potentially tanking my I rating, I rating so I can actually be in the slightly lower splits with people who I actually think I'm capable of racing against. Because the guys in... In the top split, some of them are just bonkers. They're really aggressive as well. Not only fast, but they're mega aggressive. So it's a case of, oh my God, are you going to lunge me from 350 meters back? Yes, you are. That's the, that's the, but um, I think Matt and I have had these conversations. I found myself in this position in the MX5s. And I think you've been finding yourself in this position now where because you're generally careful, you find that you are, you're, you're the slowest pace wise in the splits you find yourself in. And I, I had that in MX-5s. There's a lot more splits. I would just be the out-and-out out slowest car in split one, two, or three. And you just go, oh. every time it was just a case of trying not to have faster people crash into the back of you. Yeah, it's one of the most frustrating things about iRacing, I'd say, because you drive, you're as fast as you can be, and you wind up having to race people who are half a second to a second faster a lap because you haven't crashed and other people have yeah and the only solution to that is get faster which i've been trying to do with you guys here by having experts like brad and dorian like uh well i've been pretty selfish about the topics to be honest like i've been like oh so um what what just just off the top of my head what's the best way to take turn three at spa and i've been very specific to like where either me or my son are struggling kyle yeah i was going to say on um yeah, being stuck in splits that you feel are too high for you, it does happen to us in top split as well. And said I'm slightly above the midfield, but not with the aliens, but I'm usually quite safe and quite cautious. Mm. And usually in F3, there can be a bit of carnage. So I quite often or more often than not, in fact, find myself in a position where I'm in third or fourth. The people, probably about the five or six people behind me are faster than me. And I'm clinging on for dear life. I'm losing the people in front and I'm just clinging on for dear life. And that's not much fun either. But but Kyle, to get to four and a half thousand I rating, like you must be having brutally consistent results. Is that all from F3? Pretty much F3 uh, and the IGP series and Formula 1 cars and a couple of IMSA races, but predominantly F3. Yeah. And somehow been keeping my nose out of trouble. I must just be on an, on an incredibly lucky run. 
yeah, when you talk about the whole thing of people coming through, perfect example for that was me last week. We were at Road Atlanta, which is a track I'd never been to before. Really liked it. It suits me down to the road because it's a bit like awful a, track. It's a, for me, it's like a cart track. So you've got to lob it at every single corner, and I just absolutely loved it. But on my stream on Wednesday, I didn't quite find the pace that I wanted. Got a really good start got well up the grid on the start and then just spent the entire race being overtaken because these guys were just so much quicker than me. And I was like, I wanted to fight, but it was almost like it was, it was um, uh, absolutely pointless. And why did you get a good start? Oh, because um, we used the, between me and Matt, I told him how he figured out the what, and um, we've got the double clutch thing working wonderfully, which we are not sharing on here because it's a really, really good trick. Uh, I feel so conflicted about this because the, the show is like about like sharing knowledge and like trying to like make everyone better together. And everyone on the video is like doing like the slicing the neck thing going, no, kill it, kill it. Don't do it. Don't share. I, this is quite a moral as us as content creators and communicators are we really going to keep this magic start to ourselves alex all i will give is in the configuration for the controls you can limit the clutch that's as far as i'm gonna go <laughs> and figure the rest out yourself <laughs> so i i don't know this start i get i'm guessing all you guys do have it brad was Brad Philpot was trying to to get me to sit down with him and and go through the procedure. Now at the time he did it, I, I was really struggling with my kit. I didn't want to overcomplicate stuff, and I'm I'm really happy with my F3 start, which is when the red light comes on. I've got no revs. I'm not doing any boy racer. Red light, first gear. That's it. When the green light comes on, I just press go and I go on my merry way. Kyle, then Alex. That is the safest start ever, and I use it all the time. And in fact, the only the 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 uh, limit clutch start type thing I used for the first time the other night, and it is quite good. But there is a skill to it, and it can go horribly wrong. <laughs> if you get it wrong, you will light the wheels up and wipe out half of the field, and you will not be a popular boy. I have an example of getting it wrong. Both me and Brad have done this, so it's not just the me thing, which is I think it's more of a VR thing than a than a non-VR thing, which was I have my pit limiter underneath the button I use for the second clutch. Oh, and I'm on the grid no. and I've pressed the pit limiter and I've rolled off the start. So I've got a jump start and then I'm in the pit limiter. So I can't go anywhere so that I have to find the pit limiter again. So yeah, it, there is a risk, but yeah. once you've got it sussed and you have the settings set correctly, it's perfect every time. All right. How, how good is it? What, how many, what am I doing? Am I getting, how many grid spots am I, am I mugging people for? Well, if you go back and watch my stream from uh, Wednesday night. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot that I watched all of that in- intensively. Um, I gained two grid slots. That's pretty good. I mean, that's pretty good. With my start... And then I had to back off because it constantly because there's no space. But With my start, I guess there's kind of a lag because it's around the world. There's an inevitable kind of lag. So I always feel like I'm, I've got a really good start until everything kind of levels out and I go, oh, everyone got the same start. Carl? Yeah, the normal start which is what we all do and it's easy and you just click it into first wait for it goes to green and then just floor it is fine um i've used that to good effect all the time yeah. um it is nothing wrong with it you you won't lose unless somebody's got a trick start 
knee. He goes, you will not lose, and it is guaranteed fail safe. It will never yeah. go wrong. You're never going to spin the wheels. It's never going to go wrong. You're rarely going to jump start. It's yeah. So I would I would highly recommend take the easy route. Red, red light, first gear, auto blip, auto clutch on. Green light comes on, floor it. It'll get you away, and I think that's appropriate for our level of for our, you know if if there was a World Cup of eye racing, maybe not, but it's it's not that. Alex. Also, if you're the type of person that starts mid-pack a lot of the time yeah. and tend to get yourself in a lot of first-lap scraps, yeah. it's pointless using exactly. it. Exactly. 10th is as dangerous as 12th. Do, do I need to surprise someone from behind by if getting you're start- that? Yeah. If you're starting third or fourth, it's brilliant because you can literally go, and I did it in Formula 1 and I did it in, um, Formula, in Formula Renault, you'd go from um, fourth to first without a problem. All right. Well, good. All right. Well, look, don't worry, listeners. We'll we'll sort this out. I'll come to some arrangement. We'll we'll get this disseminated. I don't like I don't like the cutthroat attitude of my panelists here. But it, it leads us to a good question, actually, what we were talking about. There was a question from listeners, and please do send them to us. Spannersready at gmail.com at the moment. We've got some fancy at mistapex.net email addresses on their way, but they're not here yet. Spannersready at gmail.com. And let's take the question from Tim, Tim Llewellyn. Yeah. So he says, uh, thanks so much for the new iRacing podcast. As a real beginner to iRacing, I appreciate all that you were sharing or not sharing if my panel had their way. So, yeah, we're not going for an out and out like advice, like we're teaching anyone anything show. Hopefully some useful information comes out of that. But my main aim for this was like what we've got here at the moment, which is just like some friends talking about their iRacing experiences and maybe we can learn together. Here's my question, says Tim. What is an appropriate progression of cars for beginners? I'm focused now on the MX-5 and really enjoying it. I would like to eventually move into the Formula 3 cars so I can do Armist Apex races, but I'm unsure how many steps are between there are between the two. Should I go from the MX-5 to Skip Barber to the Formula Renault 2.0 to the F3 or straight to the F3 and just keep practicing it over and over again until I'm comfortable enough to compare. Thanks again for the podcast. Tim, amazing question. Kyle, let's go with you. That is an extremely good question. A lot of it is up to preference, but if you go onto places like Reddit, a lot of people, most of the people default to telling you to go and jump straight into the skip barber because it's very well populated. There's fantastic racing, but if you have aspirations to move into sort of more sort of serious um through want of a better expression single seaters and ones that have a bit more downforce then the skip barber is not very representative it will teach you fantastic race skills but it's not very representative of single seaters so my first my personal recommendation would be to jump into something like the formula renault 2.0 it's a it is a great little car but also i actually think it is harder to drive than the f3 in a lot of aspects yeah it will teach you very very good car control and skill there's a very narrow window of operation and for that it will help your consistency you'll learn how to drive it in a certain way and be safe ultimately above all else so um i know alex and myself and a lot of us i think all of us here mainly cut our teeth in formula renault 2.0 um when we got onto i racing no um after well when we got out out of the mx5 and it sort of put put us in good stead and yeah, I, that would be my recommendation. Then straight from that, straight into the F3. I think me and Matt had a different experience because we spent quite a long time doing iRacing with Missed Apex, convincing you guys that that was the way forward. Because 
I mean, I don't, I don't even know if I want to reveal this because I value the reputation of of Alex and Kyle, but they were, they were console racers. Guys, don't, don't tweet this to anyone. Don't go around going, <laughs> Kyle and Kyle and Alex were console racers. But we we took a while to convince you guys. You came around, but I have to say, me and Matt were, we had been spending a lot of time in the MX fives before that. Yeah, the 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 console thing. To be fair, I feel like that's where it all started for me because I started back doing console racing with a wheel back in 2011 because of BRKC, which is our karting series that we do. Mm. Um, And it was just a whole bunch of the races from that on Wednesday nights, funnily enough, um, doing uh, all that racing. I Mm. started with a Xbox 360 steering wheel, an ironing board and a dining room chair. (laughs) No, but okay. I mean, that's a whole different conversation. The, The original Xbox steering wheel at the time was one of the best steering wheels out there it was brilliant it was accessible it was affordable it was amazing and i have attached that to ironing boards side tables all sorts of things uh right but i don't want to get derailed too far down that that path because uh, matt you and i came into this raw and we were in the situation tim was in we spent a lot of time in the mx5 and i i don't regret any of that time i had an absolute blast only doing mx5 mostly because i was skint and and the prices in yeah. iRacing can be shocking. But I, I, I think you and I really benefited from a, a lot of time in the MX-5. Yeah, and I would say to Tim, it depends on what you think you need to get better at. So if you need to get better at racing other people, then like Kyle said, skips are the place to be because you can't get away and they're very forgiving and you can bang them wheel to wheel. If you're good at that, but you get in an F3 and you're like, oh, where's the braking point? Then the Renault is a good choice because it's faster, has similar-ish dynamics, but it's not nearly as fast. So you can learn how to take a track apart and figure it out for yourself. So I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's the braking point. With the MX-5, it is, uh, what, what do you call it? ABS, isn't it? anti-lock whatever so you can just get to the corner hit the brake as hard as you want yeah it is alex you're shaking your head it is it's anti anti-lock has it got got abs yeah yeah the mx5 you can i'll tell you what it's been so i think i did i think i did six races in the mx no because it was a massive it was a massive shock to my system because i literally didn't buy any other car i wanted to to get involved with the big boys and and play i racing like like the cool kids but i convinced everyone because, you know, I've got the organisational power of Missed Apex. I was like, no, I think we should stay with the MX-5 because it's really good for our level and I don't want to put off new people when really I just didn't want to spend any money. So, yeah, so I spent ages driving the MX-5 and you could literally just press the brake like an on-off button. And I I think I learned a lot about racing with that. Tried the skip barber, hit the brake. Every time I hit the brakes, I skid because I just didn't know. I didn't have anyone to talk about. I have no experience with racing. Every time I hit the brakes the rears would lock up and they would skid. And now I'm being super cruel to my boy because I've I've skipped the MX-5 with him completely. He is now straight in F3 and he has to give me, he has to give me 20 F3 laps before he can earn like a stock car race or a or a dirt race. That's a good point you've just made. So, um, or a good statement. So you've put your boy straight into F3 and I think part of Tim's question was, should I just jump straight into F3? Now, if your ultimate aspiration is, <clears throat> excuse me, if your ultimate aspiration is to go and race F3, then personally, I'm a bit of a masochist. I like to jump <laughs> into hard things and just do stuff that that 
that is quite hard. There is nothing wrong with going to do quite a lot of offline practice and put yourself yeah. straight into it because you will learn. You're just skipping out a couple of steps. And yes, you'll probably miss out on a bit of the racing experience that you would acquire by racing in the lower series. But, you know, give it a go. Buy the car and give it a go. Uh, give it a go for sure. I still think go and do an MX-5 series. That I, I, I still think that's the way forward. Get in on the ground floor. Most of the tracks are free. In fact, all the tracks are free on the MX-5 series, apart from the sub. Just go and do that. Do a couple of series. Get used to what people are like in the iRacing community, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, how to get through, how to set qualifying, how to get through sessions. I think the MX-5 series is is perfect, apart from it not being a single-seater. I do have a theory about why me and Kyle don't like the MX-5. It's actually quite amazing. Me and Kyle have the exact same iRacing experience. We both had our first go on iRacing using your laptop. Ah, yes, the gateway laptop. (laughs) And I think that's why I hate the MX-5, (laughs) because it was, you know, it gave me a chance to get on, and the physics worked, but I had it plugged into a laptop, plugged into my big screen telly, and it was horrendous yes. for me. I just couldn't. It was it was running at like 30 frames a second, and it was terrible. So, um, And I wanted to get out of that car as quickly as possible. So then when me and Carl both got our rigs, which are which are identical, and we bought at the exact same time, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we both did the exact same things at the same time. And that's the thrust of the conversation I wanted to have today was... Uh, about about equipment there's there's so many different topics in equipment chat with iRacing but I wanted to go down that route as well the main thing actually I wanted to talk about was VR versus uh, flat screen versus monitors but yes it is that's worth noting that it was uh, Martin Martin Clapham Clappers who just said I've got a spare laptop and when people have emailed me in the past and they've said look what's the minimum requirement I need to get into iRacing what equipment do I need uh, there is there is a learning curve. There's a steep learning curve on what equipment will be appropriate. And there's also, obviously, there's a, a, a price that you have to pay if you don't already own a gaming PC. I have to say, I personally, the financial situation I was in when I started doing iRacing, I wouldn't have got involved if I didn't already need a PC for editing, for for streaming. And it was a perfect storm for me. This laptop, that he, that he it was a, it's a very generous thing to just go, have this laptop. But I think one of the key things was it had a dedicated graphics card, which meant that you could you could go and do iRacing. The frame rate wasn't great. It took forever to load up the actual things because I don't think it was an SSD. But I just wanted you guys involved. So who did I send it to first? I think I sent it to Alex first. I'm like, Alex, get involved. Look, I'll even give you a laptop that you could plug your steering wheel into. And uh, yeah, you know, you've got a tiny little screen in front of you. And I think a generous 27 frames per second. It, it it was it was really hard. I mean, listen, it, it was it was a lovely thing to do, and it was never. I was never adverse to i racing. I always wanted to, but the PC was always the issue. Um, I didn't ever really want a laptop because you've got limitations with a laptop, and you can't um, modify it and and change it as you go like you can with with, sure. a, with a standalone PC. Um, but I just got so frustrated with console racing. Especially because you know, I, I I I used to go to Brad's a lot to go and race on his sim, and from my little seat on a PlayStation, at a big screen, and then I went to his, which at the time he had three screens, yeah, three big, big screens, rig yeah. and a decent wheel. It was like I need some of this, but it was always the money thing because PCs 
aren't cheap. I mean, me and Kyle were so fortunate when we got ours. Our PC now is about 1,700 quid's worth of kit, but we paid much less than that because we got it just before the world went crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, so we appreciate how, and it's just, it was the perfect storm for the pair of us on money side of things. Mm. Um, and it's just that case of once you've got it and it, everything's set up and then you step into your VR realm, it's opens up a whole new world. And I was having this conversation yesterday with a good friend of ours, um, Michael Weddle, when he was saying he tried VR again and he just doesn't like it and he can't get on with it. He misses the clarity that you get from yep. three screens. But for me, it's the being there, the sat in the car, the looking to your left and looking to your right of being able to see your competitors, see your front wheels. When you're wheel to wheel with somebody, you can see exactly where you're pointing the car at, which you can't do with a, um, with a, uh, with, 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 with three screens. But I remember my first experience of the formula three was at Watkins Glen. And I phoned, I spoke to Kyle. I was almost out of breath going, wow, what an experience. <laughs> yes. And you can't get that with screens. No, and uh, yeah, the screens don't give you that sense of motion. I think we've I've mentioned on here before, but the first time I went on the Charlotte Roval and I went up on the banking, and my mind was entirely convinced that I'd gone up on banking, and there's there's no physical reason why I should feel like I'm on banking, and it was incredible. So, trigger warning to flatheads out there who think that three screen setups are brilliant, and they and they are. When I first went to to Brad's garage, he had two, he had three, you know, big screens. And when we went to Simply Race in Milton Keynes, who have those kind of three screen set up booths, it's incredible because for the first time in racing, you can look to your right and there's your front wheel in the single seaters and you can put the front wheel on the apex the same as you can in racing. You've got that amazing field of view. It, it, it's incredible. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not deriding those. But I think we are all a bit evangelically VR now. And we've got, I think the three of us here have got Rift S's. Matt, you're still rocking the 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 Oculus DK1, the developer kit, one of the first yep. ones. 
But are you still as evangelical about VR racing or would you swap it for a big three screen monitor setup? The advantage, as I see it, to the three screen is you can magnify it so that everything looks slower as you're driving at it. Do you think? But for me... It feels slower when you've got monitors. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But for me, the advantage of virtual reality was, as Alex said, being able to spot my Apex before I got there. Because with the setup I had, half the time, Apex was blind. Yeah. I had to pick out something on my right and turn and hope that I got it. Yes. And hope that nobody else had driven up beside me in the meantime. And it was just... I mean, even in VR, I noticed the difference between my natural peripheral vision and what I get in VR. But what I get in VR is so much better than what I get on three screens that I think is worth it, at least for me. But I'm Captain Slow. For me, it's undulation, scale, depth. And with it's like when you're going on spa and you're going and you're going down and up Eau Rouge and Radion, mm-hmm. you don't get that on a screen. And I, I, I pick Spa for a specific reason, because I remember, again, not having had VR very, very long at this point, coming into the bus stop chicane, and you just see all the pit buildings, and they're huge. Yes, yeah. yeah. And it feels like they're huge. Um, and you feel like you're in this tiny little race car, um, which, again, I've said this several times, you just don't get from a screen. I agree with everything said. Sorry, I don't mean to lord VR, but for me, I have a slightly different plus point for yeah. me. Um, I generally, I, I, I'm quite easily distracted, but yet I bore quite easily as well. So I've actually had this experience recently when my VR headset broke, and I've had to go back to using my TV yes. again, yeah, just yeah. like I did in the console. One days. screen, and one screen, one screen, right. quite far away from me because I can't get my rig close enough to it. Um, it's like an old original setup I was using, and adjusting back to that was really quite tricky but the thing that really stood out to me was i just wasn't in, as engaged as as i said I, I i bore quite easily when i have the vr headset on i've got nothing in my peripheral vision i've got nothing else that can distract my mind or anything Carl, and I you're feel like, like i'm a, you're living like, the moment Carl, you're like a police horse with blinkers on is what you're saying <laughs> yes yes and and but i'm actually living the moment and i get in there and i don't get distracted. When I was on the screen, I was I I could see in my peripheral vision. I had like um yeah, I could see the rest of my living room, my partner walking around. Lizard. And I just wasn't yeah. living the moment. Oh yeah, lizard, obviously. Um and I just wasn't actually living yeah. the moment of that race. And I just had this disconnect. And that's why I really struggled with eye racing. I had a disconnect. So I went back and played some more arcadey sort of stuff, but still really fun. I went back and played F1 2020 because it was new and it was I didn't have to put too much thought into it and I could still be distracted and still play it. But yeah, so VR just gives me that connect to the racing that I never thought existed or could exist. Now I, I, I want to hear from flatheads and, and Hey, look, look, I've got, I'm not being, I'm not being screenist. I've got flathead friends. You know, some of my best friends are flatheads, but I'll, I'll hear from flatheads, spanners ready at gmail.com. Tell me the advantages. I, I think some of them may argue that actually what you say is a disadvantage, they see it as an advantage because a lot of the times like we talk about, uh, we're talking to people and they're like, oh, I've got this amazing overlay and I've got 17 buttons and I'm using a macro keyboard. I'm like, how can you see a macro keyboard when you're in VR? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, and they love having their big setup. Uh, I think people will look at the cost of VR, but then if I think I'm comparing VR to a proper three screen 
setup is what I'm comparing that to, Alex. Obviously, if your budget is one screen, which I've been in that position, then that's one thing. VR is going to be a step up. But compared to like three big monitors, is the prices, isn't it there or thereabouts? If you're talking just equipment as in peripherals, VR is cheaper than three decent 144 yeah. hertz screens, um, not cheaper than one decent screen. Yeah. But the graphical power that you need yes, to run that. VR, as you have experienced, wait a minute, is, wait a minute, is more so. I, I will just say though, you can you can run VR on a surprisingly low powered graphics card. You might just have the settings down, but you can get that same experience. So my current Rift S, and I've had the CV1 before, and I had the DK2 that 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 Matt has got. It's the same unit, I believe. Is you can run that off of a. Uh, 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 hang on, I'm trying to get a, Navi- a gigabyte 1050 Ti, so a 1000 series Ti that doesn't even require extra power. That was when I bought it. It's the first graphics card we ever bought, and I believe it was just over 100 quid. So it's not mega money, and you can't put it on the highest settings, but you can run VR on there. And yes, that's enough to do Beat Saber and Fruit Ninja by the way, which is incredibly satisfying because of the noises. But anyway, uh, I digress. So whilst uh, people say, yes, you need a 3000 series uh, RTX card, you will be surprised the, the, the small amount of, of graphical power that will run a VR headset. But when you go up to the higher graphics cards, that's what you'll need if you want to run VR and have like all the detail when you go over the grass and you have the grass and your tires and all that kind of thing, Kyle. Yeah, and I'd just like to say in the middle of this, there is no right and wrong way to do it. It is quite subjective. Are you sure? If, like, if you have the opportunity to try VR because it is amazing and yeah. it is, is a literal game changer, mm. but but if you can do it on a laptop plugged into your TV, as Alex and I started. And me. Courtesy of Clappers. Yep. And, and if you can do it that way, and actually get involved and actually do it, then that's that's a massive win. Do it whichever way you can. As long yep. as you're getting in there and enjoying it, there is no right or wrong way to do it as long as you enjoy it. The thing that I found from that laptop, and again, the, you know, ultra cheap, blah, 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 minimum, minimum settings. The thing that I felt instantly between Project Cars 2, which we were playing on PS4 that's at the time. That's a console game. With the, the big difference... Okay, Project Cars looks better, just. They played um, it with a joystick. They used to play <laughs> it with a joystick. But you can still instantly notice the physics difference. Mm. And that is the key point with iRacing. For anyone who's who's talking about it, and I, I, I had this conversation when a couple of my friends went to um, iRacing, Brad was on iRacing, and for the very short period of time that I had a go on Brad's sim, I was like, oh, it doesn't feel too much different. Once you settle in and spend a bit of time, you do actually then start to realise how impressive the physics engine of iRacing actually is compared mm. to anything that a console can do, and there's no delay. And it's funny, I never noticed a delay on console until I went to... Because when, when, we, when we went to PC, we were still doing our Project Cars... Um, no, we were still doing an F1 championship, weren't we, Kyle? Um, 
it was doing it doing an F one championship, and I sat in the pits and just pressed pause for uh, <laughs> for the last three races of the championship we did. You just, I just couldn't drive the damn thing. No, that's fair enough. And you guys were were fairly evangelical that what you were doing was fine, and that's fine. That's what that's what cults are like. But anyway, uh, you, so hang on, where am I? Where am I here? I'm trying not to insult too many people, and I'm entirely failing. And I'm lying that I didn't want to insult people. Pick yourself up off the floor, Van Jean. Uh, so, we, yeah, we all agree iRacing is brilliant. And, in fact, you know, it's fine. Console gaming is there to be as inclusive as possible, get as many people being able to pick it up and play as possible. iRacing is a bit less forgiving and wants you to then then go and master how iRacing works. That That's fair, Kyle, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you'll find most of the people who come to iRacing – from console, like I was, like Alex was, um, we the sort of people who, when you race on console, race with no assists and the cockpit view. And I was raced, I was the kid, like the seven, eight year old kid playing on Nintendo 64 and F1, F1, a 13 year old playing F1 1998 and stuff like that um, on Nintendo 64 with no assists and using the cockpit view, which no one does. So obviously the natural progression is to get onto a sim. So you, you're in good stead. So if anybody is on console and listening to this, think, thinking about iRacing and you play with no assist on console, then iRacing is definitely for you. Now, I've been joking, but look, if you want to play a game on your console, completely fine. If you want to do sim racing, which is more akin to a sport, hopefully if you're listening to this, you've already been converted. So here's the, here's the $400 question, and we'll put it to trumpets first. You are going to upgrade to a Rift S, which, by the way, I think is... It's probably the go-to VR option right now. It's not the ultimate, I think, best for resolution, but it's it's really good. And, you know, there's a criticism with the field of view. We can go into all of that stuff, but it kind of feels like putting on a race helmet. It's the restriction in view you would have in a race helmet anyway. It, it's priced well right now. I think you can get a brand new set for 300 quid and uh, secondhand sets priced better than that, obviously, if you don't mind a bit of uh, sweaty VR grime, which I don't. I'm not too proud for that. You're upgrading to that, Matt, the, the Rift S with your computer. But I offer you a three-monitor setup instead. Where are you going? It's a quick answer. Where are you going? The, the Rift S or the three-monitor setup? I just want to get a baseline here. No, I, I understand the question. My personal situation, I couldn't run three screens, so it's an easy one. All right, but you can run three screens. I'm asking you a hypothetical question so I can ask clever follow-ups. Which one are you having? Don't know. I was going to wait till after the Rift S. Oh, okay. But I would, I would stick with VR, you basically, because okay. I know that's what you want me to say. No. Okay, okay. That does, I mean, in the sense, you want an answer to that question. To that question, and that does help us progress out of this bog hole. Okay, Matt, who I now regret putting this to, uh, I am going to give you... Instead, I am going to give you the two two hundred pounds cash back. So it's now two hundred pounds cheaper for the three monitor setup. Where do you go? And pounds are roughly worth, I don't know, a dollar, a dollar and a bit. I don't know. I don't know. I just hope it's closer to a dollar next time I get to travel back. <laughs> uh, I, I honestly would have a hard time going back to three screens. I would be like. I need to go do it and make sure it would work for me before I would commit to it, even at the cheaper price. All right. You're slow like me. Here we go. No, hang on. Hang on, Cole. Hang on, Cole. I'll give the same question, this same question to everyone. Matt, go to three monitors and you are four tenths lap 
quicker. You, you're taking your three monitors. Yep, absolutely. Kyle, I'm going to give you two tenths. Are you going to three screens? For two tenths? Two tenths, yeah. Nah, no, not for two tenths. I'm giving no. you four tenths, Kyle. Are you going to three screens? Yes. Alex, four tenths. Are you going to three screens? Good. I'm glad that's tough for you. Do you know what? I'm still saying no. Yeah. And it's because for me, it's not lap time that I have necessarily gained from VR. What I have gained from VR eventually is better racecraft and more consistency. Yeah. Consistency was my biggest problem on console. I could always be quick. I was always there or thereabouts, but I just would get distracted by the cat running past or whatever <laughs> and just miss an apex. I don't really do that as much. I can't remember the last time I really completely fluffed the braking zone just because I got distracted by something else because there's nothing to be distracted by. So, you know, unless you're going to give me a cup, unless you're going to give me a second <laughs> and and can still guarantee yeah. me the consistency, I just don't think I would. And also the other things you can do in VR that aren't sim racing. I know we're not going to really get into that, but some of the things, especially some of the things that me and Kyle are doing right now, Wait a minute. Whoa, VR whoa, whoa. is amazing. Whoa. Stuff. You're making that sound that sounds... so... Okay, like... what I'm actually talking Marty. about is flying aeroplanes and spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> you... That sounded rather... Um... You mm. definitely made yeah. it sound like a sex thing. 100%. Oh, you my goodness. You just live in the gutter. <laughs> I'm going to listen back to this tomorrow and go, oh, oh, why did I say that? But yeah, no... Things like things like spaceships and things like um, yes, flight sims, you just are just unbelievable. So mo- know, moving obs- moving to VR for iRacing means that it has ruined flat screen games for me. The only game I will now play is whenever the next Halo comes out. Has absolutely completely yep. ruined any flat screen gaming for me. The only time I do anything flat screen now is on a weekend when I'm hiding from my kids. I take my PC into the kitchen <laughs> and I play the F1 Manager game. I'm similar. And as I previously mentioned, I've had this very recently where I lost my headset and I had a month on a flat screen on TV back to what it was. And yeah, the first couple of times in the first sort of few days of of trying to, that's why I come off the sim and went yeah, to the game. But actually, yeah, actually I rediscovered how fun it can be. So some of the games that I was playing on there are actually really, really fun. It's not a bad thing. Don't sit there and think it's a really, really bad thing because it is. It just takes a lot of getting used to you. But Wow, when I got my headset back, I appreciate it loads more. So now yeah. it sounds it, it, if it feels twice as good because you really realize how much of a step forward for certain people it is. We're lucky. We don't get motion sickness. Some people get very bad sure. motion sickness with VR and can't do it. And that's quite a shame. Um, but flat screen, you can still have an awful lot of fun. On the motion sickness thing, because it's actually a really pertinent point, um, which is a case of the people who have issues with with motion sickness, I had it when I first got VR, but I had to train myself. I did a whole lot of research beforehand and certain things you can do, which maybe we'll discuss at another on another show about how to get over that. But um, don't just jump straight into a simulator because you will be sick. It's a case of start on smaller games and build yourself up. Uh, okay, I agree. And also not all VR systems are made equally. So I've explored every single vr thing as it came out from google cardboard onwards to the to the what was the gear one where you could stick your phone in there all of those made me feel sick but i stuck with it because vr is so awesome um and the dk2 the the matt has that that gave me some motion sickness but i just accepted it 
I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this cool thing, but it makes you feel sick. You know, it's like going to a nightclub. And uh, the CV1 less so, and the Rift S, nothing, nothing whatsoever. So ultimately, you do what makes you happy. And if you prefer the less immersive experience of the screens, because it means, you know, you're kind of in your room, completely fine. I respect that. For me, having VR is the difference between playing the game, <gasps> racing the sim, and just being in it. So for the for the time I spend in the VR headset, in the, I, I'm just there. I'm just driving my slightly blurry F3 car around Spa. But it's amazing. And your brain kind of adjusts for the ultimate lack of resolution in VR. And, and that's only going to get better. Yeah. Also, we know we're going on about VR a bit a bit more about iRacing now. <laughs> about the um, so VR and iRacing. When I went back to flat screen... I didn't really lose any pace. So it's not like VR will make you faster. It's a better experience. I found there wasn't a lot in the pace. What there was, what I was massively lacking and why I didn't go and race that many or any officials at all when I was on the flat screen was that I couldn't, I didn't have the spatial awareness or the ability to race wheel to wheel with other people as I did in VR. Uh, That's funny because I got my VR pretty early in my sim racing career. And it made me a lot faster. The I have to be honest here. The not losing pace thing is a Kyle Power thing and not a not <laughs> VR thing. Um, as I did state earlier, Kyle has this weird knack of all of a sudden being perfect at everything he does, and it's really frustrating. And also, Matt did come from a laptop screen to to VR, so that's like suddenly. Oh, I would I would equate the VR to a big proper three screen setup. Happy to get your correspondence happy to find out why we're wrong and like you can just yell at us for being evangelical about vr or whatever uh, i don't think we strayed too far from iRacing. equipment chat is a massive part of iRacing, and like we said right at the beginning it's a broad church i spent many years making sure that i definitely liked this hobby before like i invested in a lot of equipment i've done everything from from uh from the, the clappers laptop type situation, 20 frames a second, desk clamp. I've even done, I've even competed in iRacing races with no force feedback. Matt jumped on with an Xbox controller. The first, He never told us. He didn't tell us, but he was there competing in iRacing Miss Apex Championships with a controller. Yeah, for a bit. <laughs> so look, it's a broad church. We're definitely not being elitist. We're not shaming anyone. We're not doing anything like that. But it is a journey with equipment. And just like with golf, you know, people start off with mini golf or they start off with a putting green. Then they go, maybe they'll rent some clubs when they go to the thing. And then they'll get a secondhand bag off of eBay. And then suddenly they're obsessed with instead of practicing, researching the best weighted club and spending £400 on a driver. iRacing is, is really more comparable with golf than any other hobby I've ever known. That is absolutely true. I've been that person on a golf course with the clubs that you've bought for a couple of quid from the, from the skip or <laughs> yeah. the dump, and yeah. you actually get it. Like, a, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I is the same. Like, do it how by whatever means you can, as long as you're in there and you're enjoying it and getting involved. That's the important thing, and you can do it all different scales. You can spend. I mean, even us now with our VR. Some other people's setups make us feel rather insignificant, oh, and they just yeah. have unbelievable setups. Like, you can take it as far as you want to take it. And don't be scared to get into eBay stuff. Get into a good community of iRacers. I've got Danny Henney's steering wheel kit here. I My first play seat 
was second hand. Uh, my first steering wheel was actually from, I think, Sam Sam Watley in Race Control from Miss Apex Series, which is like, well, I've got a spare one hanging around, just grab it. And oh, yeah. so, you know, don't be afraid to just, you know, go on eBay, try different things out, buy and sell uh, and stuff and and, uh, and email us and get in contact with us if you want any specific questions answered on equipment. We'll probably go back to a bit of racing out and out, getting faster chat, but it's been wonderful to speak to the, these guys about, uh, you know, the day-to-day. I think uh, the equipment is a massive part of this hobby. Follow Kyle at F one on Twitter. Follow Alex Van Jean on his YouTube channel by searching for Alex Van Jean, V-A-N-G-E-E-N, V-A-N-G-E-E-N. Yeah, I've got that right. Correct amount of ends. He live streams himself flying spaceships and doing iRacing and all those kind of things. Follow Matt at MattPT55 on Twitter. You can email him as well, MattPT55 at gmail.com. But really, I mean, why waste your time? Follow me. I'm the best one. At SpannersReady on Twitter. Email any questions to SpannersReady at gmail.com. Let's get faster. Let's enjoy our iRacing. And wherever I see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. Ah, see, we don't need some tyre-testing professional race driver to talk about iRacing stuff. That maybe, was really good. Maybe it was even better. Probably even better. I've been dying to get on this show for ages. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's some of the best output Missed Apex Network does, if I'm brutally honest. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.